Hello everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are working to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. If you want to learn more about our approach to bringing that gospel to the ends of the earth, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. And now to God's Word. In Romans 5.2, we learn that one of the great experiences of the true believer in Jesus Christ is an ongoing recognition that you have gained access into the free and abundant pleasures of God. It doesn't mean that your life is always easy, but it does mean that all the good things in your life come rest upon your soul as a gift from your Father in heaven. Where once you were his enemy, now you realize that you are his favored child, and with that favor comes access into grace, a grace you can exalt in. It's a wonderful day for us today. It's a day in which we're thinking about, hopefully, some of the blessings that God has poured out upon us in this country. And Someone might come to you and ask you, why do you love America? I've been asked that question before. Traveling overseas, people will ask you, what do you like about living in America or being an American? And I don't know how to answer that question. The answer is so multiple. There's so many things. There's so many blessings. It stirs up all kinds of benefits that I've received in my life in this place. It's the earth and it's the land and it's the privileges. Go on, it's the history and on and on. I can't name them all. Someone might say to you, why do you love your wife? If you can give an answer to that question in one sentence, there's something wrong. Well, you know, she makes the best tacos. My wife makes, I love my wife because she, what? You can't name it. You couldn't put your finger on it. You couldn't describe why you loved your... If you can, if you can narrow it down to a few things, something's wrong. You don't know all that God has given you in that person and all that can echo forth in your life and loving them. You point to all kinds of things. The way that chair is sitting in the house right there. and There's the way she put that picture there. and It's the way she hums to herself and it's the way she sighs and it's on and on and on and on. Oh, how do you look at this phrase? Access into this grace. This grace. And understand what it means. And appreciate it. I'm not going to even try to, but suggest a few things at least. Let's suggest a few things. There's the grace of claiming the blesser in all of life as our own. The grace of claiming the blesser in all of life as our own. There are graces that come to us, unbounding graces that come to us through when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. Forgiveness of sins. A stature, a presence in the presence of God in heaven. A mediator who always mediates for us. A God who pours out a spirit upon us. There are all these blessings, but prior to that, we all were, along with everyone else in this world, recipients of what's called common grace. All the blessings that creation and all the joys that creation provides for us, all the pleasures of our natures that can be satisfied with taste and sights and feelings of importance and significance and love and accomplishment, all these graces which all people, Christian and non-Christians, alike enjoy. But once you give your life to Jesus Christ, the change is that now you know that these things that you're enjoying are flowing from out of the riches of your own home, in your own house, in your own father's house. The place that you reside and the place that you belong to. A little boy can be playing and a mother can come out and bring to the little son with his friends a plate of cookies. 
And all those kids get to enjoy that treat. They all eat of the treat. But one little boy knows, yeah, my mom made those cookies. Those are my mom's cookies. It means something. Something wonderful. So think about it. Just the common blessings that you experience in life that everyone else experiences as well. And know now, oh, but now they have upon them the signature and the expression of, uh, of the God who is my Father, my Savior. It pours out from the storehouse of the home that He is in store for me, where I live and I dwell and I have a place. That's a grace that's incredible and unimaginable. There's also the grace of God's influences pressing upon our lives. The minute a person comes to Jesus Christ and receives Him as their Savior, there is an experience at that moment of God's presence. God being present with them. And, do you know, prior to that, God is this person. There was antagonism, and there was fear, and there was trepidation. And in that moment, there's a sense of love, and belonging, and care, and providence, and embrace, and acceptance. God lays upon us the sense and awareness of His own presence. And the Bible says that there's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. That's because all of the angels in heaven are responding to what is in the heart of God. And when God sees us, turn to Him and believe in Him, God rejoices. And when you give your life to Jesus and believe in Him, you feel and sense the laughter of heaven as well. Joy and peace. That's the influence of God pressing in upon our lives. When that happened, God pours His Spirit upon us in order to bring us life and vitality and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. This too is an influence that He presses upon us. And then, beyond saving us, God has a desire by the Spirit to mold us into the image of His Son. God has a plan that we would grow and grow more into His image. He has a sanctifying work to do in our lives that can't be completed in us until we come to a point of complete and utter consecration in which we yield up our life to Him to fill us, to flood us, and to guide us into the future, then God does. He pours out His Spirit upon us so that He touches the very nerves of our inner being and our soul. And in those moments, we weep and we rejoice at the influence of the outpoured expression of His movement upon us. Wanting us to bring us deeper and deeper into His life and to feel His power and to let Him work through us and mold us and shape us. Those times as well are the influences of God upon our lives. There are times when God still makes Himself known to us. I've had it happen to me. Not regularly, periodically. When God all of a sudden reveals that I've been wandering from Him and that I've been claiming my joy and my satisfaction and my hope and other things and material things or in my own reputation, what it is. And when God does it, it's usually such a stunning way that I'll find myself on my face on the ground, weeping and confessing. Again, God renews in those moments the sweet sense of His presence. He only shows me those things in order to sweep it out of the house, in order to remove these impediments in order to reinvigorate the nerve and the fiber of my inner being so that I might be all the more enjoying himself and entwined in his purposes and his goals and design for my life. That's grace. It's grace of intimacy and life that we step into when we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. And then God sends challenges and difficulties our way as well. 
in order that we might more and more meaningfully incorporate and turn to Him to receive the power and the invigorating beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ living within us so that we may respond by His nature and His way instead of through the impulses of our flesh. And then God disciplines us when we're falling away. He disciplines us so that He might keep us in the place of blessing and so that we might be readily availing ourselves of all the graces He wants to bring into our life. This is God's influence upon us. This is God's influence upon us. Again, now these are illustrations might not work for some people. I don't know what kind of home you grew up in. But if you've grown up in a good home where your parents loved you and cared for you, you can trace expressions of these graces from their life. How they jealously guarded over your life. How they fed you and you feasted before them. By the way, you know when the Bible talks about the Christian life, when Jesus wants to give parables illustrating the Christian life, a parable they seem to go back to is the parable of a feast. Right? Not just a feast, a wedding feast. And not just a wedding feast, but a royal wedding feast which we come and we enjoy this great sense of feast. The Christian life is meant to be a glad feast, not a sad fast. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly or to the full. Jesus prayed in John 17 that I pray these things that my joy might be in them. That's the Christian life. Look back at your own experience in your own home and see how your parents strategically planned out experiences just to give you benefit and blessing. You know, one of the things that would disappoint a parent is one of my children was planning to take their children this weekend to a park and they had bought tickets for it. They wrote the other day that they postponed it. They cashed the tickets in and they were going to buy it for another time because after they bought the tickets, the kids all got in fights with one another and it was like, yeah, I can't take them. And you know, I know what that's like. It's so disappointing when you're planning to take your children on some excursion that you know they're going to enjoy and love and it's going to be fun and you're going to give them great experiences and then they do something that you can't give it to them in that moment. They won't appreciate it. They won't value it. You have to withhold it from them. You've got to put them under some discipline in order that at the right time they might enter those things. That's the heart of God. He wants to bring you to all these blessings. How often we grieve the Spirit because our attitudes and hearts aren't right. And so he has to withhold the moment and we break certain blessings out upon us. You think back to your home life and you think about that. You plot through what a good parent did, providing for you and feeding you and giving you great experiences and protecting you and disciplining you and watching over you. And they were regulating whatever graces, and you didn't pay for any of it. It was all free. They were just doling out as they thought they could and as they would a grace upon your life. How much more, how much more the Father bringing the influences of His presence upon our lives. Then there's the grace experienced in this communion with God to talk with Him and walk with Him and to call Him into our day and to be called into His purposes. This grace can be seen in the prayer life He gives us. In our communion and prayer with Him where now when we come before God we can call Him our Father as we pray and make our needs known before Him. It's experienced even in the temptations we face when we feel like we're being overwhelmed by temptations and we're resisting and we're trying to stand up and in the moment of desperation we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, help me. And He's there with us, giving His grace to us. In the midst of trials and difficulties, when everything seems to be fleeting away from us, our life is being stripped of the things that we'd accumulated to ourselves when those who we thought we could stand by depart from us and leave us. 
The Bible tells of David on one occasion, which he's being chased by Saul, and he's being pushed out into other foreign countries with his soldiers. And on one occasion, as they're in this tight spot, marauders come from behind them and take all of the children and wives and lead them away with all of their goods and all their baggage, take them off and hold them captive. And now all the people, and even his own soldiers who have been on the run and are surrounded by enemies all around, turn against David as well. And the Bible says of David at that moment of time, he comforted himself in the Lord. He comforted himself in the Lord. Even in those moments of trial and difficulty, God is there to commune with and know, and this is a grace. And, and then God calls us to a work of making his salvation known to others. And Jesus commands us to go unto all the world and preach the gospel, and that's our joy and our duty, but it's not a work that we do alone. God companions with us in that work. He invites us into his own redemptive plan for the nations and for other people. And then Jesus says, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He's always with us. Or Paul goes on to say, we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we speak to men as though God were crying out through us, be reconciled to God. It's as if God so unites in the work of making the gospel known to others that he brings his own life into us and he puts his own voice into us so that when we speak, it's as though he's speaking through us. One of the reasons I would coax you to be bold in evangelism is because there's an intimacy of communion with God you won't know, a grace that he poured upon you you won't know until you reach those kinds of moments. All this is grace. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. We'd love to hear from you. Go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links to send us a message of encouragement or a prayer request. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.